Rishus Arav, Morad Asra, distinguished Rabbi Krauss, Mrs. Schwartz, friends. Uh, first, I'd like to thank Rabbi Krauss for his kind and exaggerated words of introduction. In the Gemara it says, Dibru Chachamim Balashon Guzma. Great rabbis have a tendency to exaggerate. Rabbi Krauss is a very great rabbi. <laughs> it is an honor and privilege to present this lecture in memory of Professor Ernest Schwartz. I knew him, and as you heard, he devoted his life to scholarship and to advancing the cause of Torah. I'm sure every student at Queens College and faculty members as and faculty members as well knew that in matters Jewish you consulted Professor Schwartz and you never left his office disappointed. I knew him through Yeshiva University. He worked closely with the Frakalf Graduate School of Education and it was a delight for me at that time at Frakalf to work together with him and I began to appreciate his expertise in the field of Jewish education and administration. He was a distinguished educator, administrator, and he was also a Marbitz Torah, who, whose warmth and good sense left an indelible impression on all those who knew him. Yehizichro Baruch. What I'd like to do this evening, and it won't take a lot of time, is to present an anecdote that hopefully will also prove to be a choice sample of 19th century Jewish humor. It will take about a minute to present the anecdote. But I need to, I need to speak for about an hour in order to provide the background necessary for appreciating it. In 1875, Yehuda Leib Gordon, Yalag, published a Hebrew poem called Kotso Shoyud. Very briefly, uh, Yehuda Leib Gordon, born in 1831, was a distinguished Moscow, living most of his life in Vilna. He was the Hebrew poet laureate of the 19th century. He was without peer and would not be superseded as a poet until Bialik came along. In the 19th century, this man devoted his life to Hebrew language and poetry and Haskalah. And just to give you a sample of who he was, in the middle of the 19th century, he traveled to Berlin where he met the founder of the field of Jewish studies, of Jüdische Wissenschaft. His name was Leopold Zunz. And Sons had written books and monographs and essays on every aspect of Jewish science, Jewish history, Jewish studies, including history of medieval Jewish poetry. And Yalag was a young man, and he introduced himself to uh, Sons. And Sons asked him, what do you do for a living? And Yalag said, I'm a Hebrew poet. Really, said Sons. In which century did you live? 
<laughs> now, I would like to distribute now a page of Kotel Shel Yud, and as soon as you get it, we will start reading it together. As you, as you receive the page, if you'll turn to uh, the front side, which is Amud Kuf Het, it has a large print, Korot Yamenu, at the top. And we'll be looking at the bottom of the page at the opening of the poem. You'll see the title, Kotso Shel Yud, and I will translate for those who don't read Hebrew. What you have in front of you is the prolegomenon of the poem, the introduction to the poem by Yehuda Leib Gordon, and on the other side of the page, a, pa a passage that occurs much later in the poem, which we'll also read together. But let's start with the introduction. Kotso Shalyud. Yishai Vriya Miedach Ayayich, Jewish woman, who appreciates, understands what your life is like. Bachoshech bat, bachoshech telechi, you come and go in darkness. Atzveich, misoseich, sivreich, ma'avayayich. Your sorrows and your joys and your hopes, yivaldu bikirveich, they are born within you. Yitamu tochechi, but they also die within you. All the wonderful things in the universe, these were given as a treasure to the daughters of other nations. But the life of the Jewish woman is permanent slavery. She never leaves her shop. You become pregnant, you give birth, you nurse, you wean. Cook, you bake, and before your time, you wither away. You get a sense of what Yalag had in mind when he wrote this poem. Now, briefly, uh, that was simply to set the tenor of Kotso Shalyud, and now a brief summary, which we, of course, have no time to read the entire poem. So I will summarize the story for you. The story tells of a Jewish woman in Eastern Europe. Her name was Batshua. She is wise and virtuous and beautiful. And at a very early age, she was engaged to a young yeshiva bacher. His name is Hillel. 
Who learned in the Voloshin Yeshiva and of course never learned the trade? And two years after they marry, children start appearing, one child after another. But the subsidy that was given by the father-in-law to the young man, to Hillel, runs out. And he, of course, is not capable of supporting the family. He knows nothing except learning Gemara. But as more and more children appear, it becomes clear that something will have to be done. He will have to go out and make a living. And so he decides to seek his fortune abroad, where gold is said to be paved in the streets. Left with no support and no check comes in the mail from Hillel, Batshua sells off, sells off all her jewelry, all her fine clothes. Ultimately, she opens a little shop in order to be able to feed her children. This goes on year in and year out, and she never hears from Hillel again. The deus ex machina soon arrives on the scene in the person of another young man called Fabi. He is a maskil, you see, an enlightened Jew. He works for a living. He's a supervisor of some railroad line in the pale. Fabi meets Hillel's wife. He meets Batshua, realizes her plight, sympathizes with her, eventually falls in love with her. And they would marry if they only could, but unfortunately, Batshua is married to Hillel. And no one knows where Hillel is. Essentially, Batshua is an Aguna. But somehow, miraculously, uh, detectives are sent out and they discover that where Hillel is, he's in Liverpool. They track him down. They get after him. They beg him to write a get, a divorce document, to his wife so that she could go on with her life. And Lo and behold, Hillel agrees. He agrees to write a get. And the get is sent through a shliach, through a messenger, from Hillel in Liverpool to Batshua's town in Eastern Europe. Hillel then sets off from Liverpool for the United States. I don't know whether he went on the Titanic or not, but he's never heard from again. And there is word that there was an accident at sea, and it's possible that Hillel was on that ship that sank at sea. Meanwhile, the messenger makes his way to Eastern Europe, and that's where we pick up the story of Kotso Shalyut. So we'll turn to the other side of the page. Where I have a bracket beginning with Lifnimbi Yisrael. We'll read together. Lifnimbi Yisrael biyota Torah or lo kardom lach porbo lo choter gavai In days of yore when uh, the Torah was the light of Israel when the Torah wasn't used as a means for making a living when it wasn't a scepter for haughtiness. There were few in number, 
in every generation. And these were all holy men, and they were worthy of their name. But nowadays, in the 19th century, As many rabbis as there are, that's how many gaonim there are. Even youngsters call themselves gaonim. And not only that, we have many categories of gaonim in the 19th century. Gaonim amitim, we have true gaonim, gaonim adirim and mighty gaonim. Gaonei gaonim, shniyim ushlishim, and we have secondary gaonim and tertiary gaonim. Umorot unusharim amudim patishim, mighty hammers, and so on and so forth. Ubayalon, Ayalon is the name of the town where Bachua lives. Ubayon lav ravi madrigam hamula. They had a very great rabbi, Logaon Pashut, not an ordinary Gaon, Achgaon Needari, indeed a mighty, extraordinary Gaon, Echad Hamyuchad Miyichidei Haskula, one of the greatest of all, the Gaonim, unique, Uchvot Shem Tifarto, and the name of the Gaon, Ravafsi Hakuzari. That's the name of the Gaon, Rabbi Vafsi Hakuzari. Vafsi, a very strange name, of course, disgrace on the ear of any reader. There never was a rabbi but with this name. Vafsi Yikru'u Kichen Shmo Israel. Vafsi is his real name, so says the poet. Ahmadua Kuzari, why was he called of the Khazars, of the Kuzari? Ahmadua Kuzari Shem Yishpachto, Ha'umnam Aviv Tatari Mizera Yishmael. Is it possibly that he's descended from the Khazars, that famous people that formed the background for the famous work written in the medieval period by Rabbi Yehuda HaLevi, the Kuzari? Was he of Tatar background? I cannot decide the matter of what the lineage of this rabbi was, whether he's descended from non-Jews, in other words. This is a wonderful play on a Gemara, which we'll not go into now in the interest of saving time. Whether he was really descended from non-Jews, I don't know, from pagans. But that his soul was a pagan soul, this is clear. His soul had none of the virtues that signal the Jew. He takes no pity on Jewish money. He doesn't know what the ways of peace are. Mercy is foreign to him. Yedarak, Harov, Harem, all he knows is how to destroy and how to, how to place under the ban. Hitrif, so he only knows how to say treif and also. With Kiyuto, and since he knows everything, he knows all of Jewish literature, Baposkim, Uvigmara, Berayot, Lusakav, Leyadam, Achsor. He can prove anything. Everything is Asr, everything is treif, everyone should be in Kherim, and he can prove it from a Gemara from somewhere. And he made a reputation for himself as being a machmir. And he's one of the greatest of the gaonim of our age. And it was uh, when they read the parsha of Nitzavim, first Sunday before Nitzavim. So he convened the rabbinic court in the town where Batshua lived. And that get that was said by Hillel now appeared before the court. They had to get in front of them. And all that had to, all that had to be done was that the shliach, 
the agent who brought the get had to hand it over and give it to the woman. Hakol kehalacha amar. Skip a line, just a minute. One of the justices, one of the Dayanim, opened the letter with the get, and he read the get in front of the others, and he added, It's a wonderful get. It is perfectly valid and legal. There is no flaw in this legal document. Let the agent come, and place it in the hands of Batshua. <laughs> but Ravovsi from the distance just took a glance at the get. And he ordered the agent, don't go near the woman. Don't you see that this get is not a kosher get? Because Hillel's name in the get it's spelled hey lamed lamed. It's lacking a yud. And if a name is misspelled, the get is not a kosher get. But the judge who had read the letter, he was a very knowledgeable. He was a Kabbalist. He knew the secret lore of Judaism. So he said, according to the ruling of Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, who ruled on this, the name Hillel is supposed to be written, Hey Lamed Lamed, in a get. And the, uh, the other justice said, I can prove it from another passage. Bedek is a commentary, uh, additional notes to the Shulchan Aruch of Yosef Karel by Rabbi Yosef Karel, to, to his commentary on the tour, the Beis Yosef. And he also says that you spell Hillel, Hey Lamed Lamed. So in other words, the other Dayanim turn to the rabbi and they say to this great rabbi, Rabbi! There are more than enough authorities who rule that you can spell Hillel, Hey Lamed Lamed. But this great Gaon said Hillel is to be spelled, Hey Yud Lamed Lamed. Zam is a very famous parish on Hilchos Gitten called Zichron Moshe, written in the 17th century. And sure enough, in the Sefer Zichron Moshe, a very rare Sefer, it actually says that you have to spell Hillel Malay, Heyud Lamed Lamed. And the psalm is the say that I get of Remichel. Look what the Maskilim once knew. We once had the Maskilim in this world. Look how much how, how well they could learn. Hazam Vahasam, and the say that I get of Remichel also says that you spell Hillel Heyud Lamed Lamed. Al Shulchan Aruch. And Rabbi Yosef Karo also agrees with these two authorities in the Shulchan Aruch as against what he wrote in his Beit Yosef. That Hillel is to be spelled Heyud Lamed Lamed. And so Ravovsi got angry at the other justices, and he says he is astounded. How the two justices forgot a psak halacha of the zam and the sam and the shulchan aruch. And of course, this is really written in Ashkenazic Hebrew, and you have to read it in Ashkenazic Hebrew. So read these last two lines in Ashkenazic Hebrew. And he said in Yiddish, I get Pasul. <laughs> and so Rabbi Vopsi uh, stood uh, uh, as a goad and as a firmly planted tree, and he said in a clear voice in Yiddish, to get his Pasul. You can't hand this get over to the woman. And of course, uh, Hillel was never heard from again. 
We don't know what happened to Hillel. Now she really is an Aguna. She can never remarry. And that is the story of the poem of Kotso Shilya. Now, the first uh, issue that interests me is, how did Yalak know all this? Is he such a Tamatokam? How did Yehuda Lake Gordon know all the different views of how you spell Hillel? Is Hillel spelled Mole? Is Hillel spelled Koser? And so on. So what I have to tell you is that uh, printed in the Shulchan Aruch, in every edition of the Shulchan Aruch of Rabbi Yosef Karo, is a parish, this is an Ebenezer Ezer, called Beis Shmuel. It was written by Rabbi Shmuel ben Uri Shraga. It's written in the 17th century. And every one of these authorities is cited by the Beis Shmuel. So all one had to look at, look at is the appropriate simon in the Shulchan Aruch, Ebenezer. You looked in the Beis Shmuel, and you would have discovered exactly what's listed here in Yalag's poem. But I can actually say that I have a better source for how Yalag knew what he knew, because, as you know, uh, divorce laws are very complex, and one doesn't ordinarily decide a case of divorce, certainly not a difficulty, simply on the basis of the Shulchan Aruch. Uh, you have to gather together many other sources, Shelotu Chuvot, responsible literature, and so on. And in the 19th century, there was a great Gaon by the name of a true Gaon, Ephraim Zalman Margolios, he wrote a book called Tiv Gitten, which became the standard handbook for uh, writing Gitten and uh, administering Gitten and so on, Tiv Gitten. And the third edition of that book was published in Vilna in 1849, right where Yalag lived. And if you open up the Tiv Gitten, where he lists various names, how do you spell each name for a get? He has a section on Hillel, and word for word what you find in the poem here is taken right out of the Sefer Tiv Gitten, who in turn got this already from the base Shmuel that I mentioned earlier. So, uh, Yalag, of course, may have been a great Talmud Chacham in any event, but in this particular case, one can see uh, where he derived his information from. I guess more important for our purposes is to identify this rabbi, which is very easy to do. So go back to uh, the page we were just reading where he introduces this Gon Haga'onim, and his name is Rabbopsi Akuzari. Uh, that is quite transparent once you look at it carefully as to who he's referring to. If you rearrange the letters of Vofsi, what name you find? Yosef. So this is Harab Yosef. And if you rearrange the, name, the letters of Hakuzari, Zechariah. So this was a very veiled reference <laughs> to Rab Yosef Zechariah Stern, who was one of the greatest Gaonim of the 19th century and was the chief rabbi of Shavil, in Lithuania. And during the lifetime of Rabbi Yosef Stern, Shavl was the second greatest city in terms of Jewish population in Lithuania. This is one of the greatest Lithuanian Gedolim, Rabbi Yosef Stern. At this point, I'm going to distribute uh, portraits on one page of Rabbi Yosef Stern and Yalag, so you'll see what these people look like. Whenever I discuss great Rabbonim in particular, but it's true for Maskilim as well, I want to be sure that you understand that these are not disembodied souls. These were human beings. Uh, there's a physicality to them as well.
Rabbi Yosef Schayu Stern. More? Yosef Chaya Stern was born in Suwałki district of uh, Poland. He lost his father when he was 13 years old. He received his first rabbinic appointment in Lita when he was 20 years old. And in 1861, at age 30, he was appointed chief rabbi of Shavil, already then the second largest Jewish community in Lithuania. This is an incredible distinction. And he served as chief rabbi of Shavu for over 40 years, from 1861 until his death in 1903. He wrote many, many volumes of uh, Hidushim, uh, I brought four with me, actually, uh, He's most famous for his Shailas Tshuvas. He wrote four volumes of Shailas Tshuvas. They're now bound in two, available in your local bookshop. Uh, these are classics of Jewish response to literature. He, uh, a third vol uh, the fifth volume of his Tshuvas has just been published fairly recently, uh, based, uh, based upon manuscripts that were preserved by his family and brought to Eretz Yisrael. So now there's a new volume, and we'll see what the significance of this is shortly. Um, in the introductions, uh, when the story was told about uh, Professor Schwartz that he was learning Tanakh, it might interest you to know that uh, Rabbi Yosef Schayer-Stern wrote a commentary on Tanakh, and I'm holding his commentary on the four of the five Megillot. It's a separate volume of his commentary on Shir Hashirim, and in fact he wrote an extensive commentary on all of Tanakh. Also in print is his commentary on the Haggadah Shel Pesach, uh, and much more. Now, just for you to get a sense of what this man wrote, the end of his volumes of Charles and Shuvis, he posted a notice, and this is in print in all the volumes, and I'm just going to read part of the notice. The notice in effect says, um, I can't afford to print my manuscripts. I am prepared to give anyone who wants any manuscript of mine for free. Anyone who's prepared to print, to publish any of my Chidushe Torah, they can have anything that I've written for free, and please do me the favor of simply printing my own Chidushe Torah. And you wonder what I have ready right now, so then he lists what he has ready now for publication if he could only find someone who's willing to print it. Shar Chiburi Asheriti Baksuvan. I have notes on the entire Babylonian Talmud, daf al daf, every page of the Talmud. There are very few Gaonim in all of Jewish history who have Chidushim on every page of the Talmud. Very few. Uh, I doubt if anyone could mention even ten throughout all of Jewish history who have actually published a comment on every page of the Babylonian Talmud. I know in my own mind about five that I've seen in my life. Uh, there may be ten, not much more. Anyway, he has on every page of the Talmud, ready to, ready to be, go to press. Al Yerushalmi, on every page of the Jerusalem Talmud. 
on Mishnayis, Tosefta, Bahag, Kiddushim Chiburim Yichodim Al-Kamah Mesechtos. He has commentaries on specific, long commentaries on, on specific tractates of the Talmud. Madura Tanino Lesefer Zecher Yosef. I have many more volumes of my chuvis and my commentaries on the Talmud. Hagos Chiddushim Al-Kol Sifre Yad L'Rambam. I have a complete commentary on the 14 volumes of Maimonides' Code. Al-Sefer Mitzvot Sarambam. I have a complete commentary on his list of the 613 mitzvahs. I have a complete commentary on the entire Rabbi Yosef Karo's Code of Law. He's only getting started here. I have a complete history of all the Tanoim and Amoraim ready for press. And I only read about half the list. So you see, this was indeed, as Yalak said, an extraordinary gong. This was no ordinary gong. And in order for you to get a, a sense of who he was, I'm just going to take a, a few minutes to uh, cite very brief anecdotal evidence from his biographers. This is first an excerpt from his Shailos Shuvis, from his response. He was against sophistry, a very clear mind, was only interested in the plain sense of the text. He was a profound Talmudist. He engaged in Pilpula Shel Torah, but he had, uh, he had no patience with uh, intellectual games, with sophistry. I love truth more than I love people. And we don't show favoritism in Torah, which is called MS. We're only interested in the truth and nothing else. Uh, in one of his chubas, by the way, I just add as an aside, is a very famous line where he refuses to paskin. Two sides came to him and asked him to decide an issue and refused to decide the issue because he said, I met with both sides, I heard their arguments, and it's clear to me that each side wants its arguments to be the truth, and neither side wants the truth to be its argument. <laughs> and he wrote in the passage that I'm citing now, he writes as follows. This is from another Chuvat. He was, a, he was involved in Aguna cases, and we'll talk about it shortly, and he was in a specific case, uh, he was asked uh, for a Psaq Halakha, and in this particular case, uh, he, will, he was not Matthew the Aguna, he did not allow her to remarry. He told a story that he knew about, about a similar case of Aguna that came before Reb Chaim of Volozhin, where a series of rabbis wanted to permit her to remarry, but Reb Chaim Volozhin would not agree. And Reb Chaim Belovzhin answered as follows: Amnam hifliu lasos livnos migdal haparayach ba'avir al yisod kushyachas. There was a difficult tosos, and one of the rabbis asked a question on the tosos, and based on that question on the tosos, he built a tower, as it were, you see, which is floating in midair. And based on the tower floating in midair, he said that the abuna is permitted to marry. So Reb Chaim Belovzhin said he can't do that. And then Reb Chaim Belovzhin said, and let me tell you about this specific case with that fellow who was 
did the sophistry and uh, asked a question on Tosis and so on. From one single kushya, you have a kasha on Tosis, a query regarding Tosis, you can't bring about the death of the husband. And you all know the idiom that comes from this, when a kushya, when a kushya, stop me. It can't happen. Said, in this particular case, the rabbis wanted to, to be matir the aguna based on their pilpul. It turned out that it, it took a short while and the husband reappeared, came back to town, came to his house, and the husband heard about what the rabbis almost decided, the amar b'dichusa, and the husband said jokingly as follows he said those well wonderful pupulim that those rabbis gave would have allowed my wife to remarry but one ignoramus namely me the baal mere fact that i returned home that destroyed all the pupulim anyway this was quoted by and preserved for us in the writings of Rav Yosef Stern. Something about his erudition. He had a photographic memory, as you will hear immediately. He once came in Shavuot to daven mincha in the main shul. He ordinarily davened with a minion in his own house. But once he came to shul to daven, it was the practice of the book dealers were itinerant book dealers in those days and basically they traveled from shul to shul and from yeshiva to yeshiva they set up a little table outside the shul and as people walked out from the shul they could select books to buy as he left the synagogue stood at that table he picked up a book to look at it he looked at it then he put it down again. And he asked the book dealer, how much does this safer cost? And the dealer told him what it cost. And he put the book down. And then he pulled out from his purse, or we today say wallet, uh, the amount, and he gave it to the book dealer. And the book dealer was astounded because he had paid the book dealer, and at the same time, he left the volume on the table. Of course, the book dealer inquired, and on the Rabbi Yosef's Chariot, Rabbi Yosef's Chariot Stern answered, Avarti ala sefer. I went through the whole book. I know it by heart. The physical book, I don't need anymore. But I owe you for the book. That was Rebiosu's hardest. And finally, typical, and this will capture his personality for you. Of course, it was a great yeshiva. Rebiosu's hardest said Shiurim as well. He was a Rosh Yeshiva, and um, it was a yeshiva in his house. And the yeshiva bachel was once present in the house of Rabbi Yosef Chaya Stern when a rabbi from some small town nearby had come to consult Rabbi Yosef Chaya Stern about some matter. And the yeshiva bachel overheard the conversation. And something that Rabbi Yosef Chaya Stern said was a kind of put-down of this rabbi, and the yeshiva bachel heard this. After the rabbi left, Yeshiva Bacha went over to Rabbi Yosef Schayer Stern and he asked innocently Ha'im mutar levazos Rabbi, he said, is it permissible to humiliate a Talmud Chacham? Yosef Schayer says, that's a question 
It is absolutely prohibited. And the Yeshiva Bacha continues, May a great Talmud Chacham humiliate a lesser Talmud Chacham? Chas v'shalom, heaven forbid, said Rabbi Yosef Skarishtin. Please forgive me, Rabbi. How come you insulted this rabbi who came to visit you? You are in violation of Jewish law. Rabbi Yosef Skarishtin repeated, it is an absolute Easter, it is forbidden. What can I do? I forgot that it's us. Yeshiva Bacha was no fool, so Yeshiva Bacha says, Avol halo kvod toroso, bau zichron niflo, shakol ha-Torah kulu munachas v'slobu kufsa. Who are you kidding? You, you know all of Torah by heart. You forgot that it's not permissible to insult a lesser rabbi? Rabbi Yosef Chaya shrugged his shoulders and he said, Ondos ha-Yisi, v'shas ma'ase v'asotan d'arko l'katri. What could I do? I... It was an accident. I certainly didn't intend it. What can I do? I was engaged in an argument.